Welcome back to The John Morris Show, a podcast for freelancers, web developers, and online business owners navigating the chaotic world of technology and online business. If you're new to the show, be sure to visit johnmorrisshow.com to subscribe on iTunes, Android, and TuneIn, and find past episodes of the show. And last but not least, as a podcast listener, you can get free access to my entire curriculum of freelancing and web development courses with the exclusive two-month free trial of Skillshare that I can give you. All the details on how to get that are at johnmorrisonline.com slash Skillshare. Again, that's johnmorrisonline.com slash Skillshare. Now, let's get to the show. The John Morris Show. Hey there, John Morris here. Welcome back to another episode of the show. This one, we're going to talk about the top five mistakes that all freelancers should avoid. And no doubt, in my 15 years as a freelancer and all the different projects that I've worked on, I've made my share of mistakes. And certainly you will too. And and that's just kind of part of playing the game. But I also think that there are some mistakes that are more harmful than others. So while I know that I can't and I shouldn't keep you from making any mistakes, some of those things are things that you just sort of need to learn on your own. That experience is valuable. So again, I don't want to keep you from making all of the mistakes, but there are ones in particular that I think you can skip learning the hard way because they're extra detrimental. They can be extra difficult to deal with, and there's really no good reason to learn these the hard way. So that's what I'm going to go through in in this episode. You can let my stumbles and setbacks sort of be your lesson uh, and 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 avoid those things. So these are, in my opinion, the top five mistakes freelancers should avoid. Number one is undervaluing and undercharging for your work. And I did this a lot when I started. And for me, it was two things. First off, I was I was just desperate for work, and I was still sort of getting my head around. The idea that people would actually pay me to do this, that was still something that was was new to me. So I took almost anything that anyone was willing to pay me. And I was kind of under the, constantly under the thumb of my clients. The second thing was that I, I just had no idea what to charge. So I, I didn't have a good sense of, of what I could charge, what the market was, etc. And so I just made up a fee. I started out charging... $25 an hour, which even still, that was more money than uh, per hour than I'd ever made in my life. But it didn't take me long to figure out that A, I was worth a lot more and that B, you know, I'd never kind of, I'd never make the kind of money or have the lifestyle that I really wanted charging that fee. There was just, there just wasn't enough hours uh, in the day. And from my experience over the last 15 years and, and, and doing what I do and working with people on freelancing and so forth, I found that the truth of it is that whatever you're charging right now, you're probably not charging enough. It's rare to find someone who's charging uh, too much or or the right amount. Um, But more than that, it's really that you don't want to guess and that you don't have to guess. That's probably the bigger thing because there's plenty of real world data out there to help you figure out what you should charge. Now, the simplest and easiest method is just to Google other freelancers who do what you do and look at their websites, see what they're offering and how much they charge. And don't just look at one, look at a dozen or more so that you can get a range of what people are charging. Now, make sure it's closely 
uh, related to what you do, but use them to figure out what that range is, what the general range uh, that people are charging is. You can also use Upwork. If you go on Upwork and get a client account, you can search for people that do the same thing that you do and see what they're charging on Upwork, which is a competitive environment. And then also on Fiverr. Now, if you go on Fiverr, Fiverr is a little bit different of a of a site just because of you know the the pricing is sort of implied in its name, but you can click on there's a there's a toggle on on the search results that you can click on that says to show the pro services. That's probably going to give you a more realistic idea of of what you would want to charge. But even with that off, you can get some sense of what kind of the low low end of what you might be able to charge is. So those are all just data points that you can use to help you figure out. Uh, what to charge. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to charge that price at first. You know, one effective strategy for getting work early on as a freelancer is to is to undercharge. That is a good strategy that can work. But you always want to know how much you're undercharging and know that you're undercharging, not think that you're charging a, a, a normal price when actually you're half of what everybody else is or whatever it is. And you also want to make sure that you tell the client you're under undercharging. So, you might say something like, hey, I'm new in the freelance world, so I'm doing these at 50% off now, but my price will go up. So you make sure and set that expectation with those clients. And then it also gives them a compelling reason to hire you now over someone who might be more experienced because they're getting that discount that they, they wouldn't normally uh, get. And you do all that without devaluing your work. But knowing what you're worth and what you can charge that's how you have confidence in your fees and you keep from undervaluing what you do. And that's a mistake that you definitely want to avoid. The second one is not knowing how to say no. So a few years back, I went through a rough patch that nearly led me to a, a nervous breakdown. And the crazy thing is it should have been a happy time. I was coming off some of the big projects that I'd worked on for Inc. Magazine and Michael Hyatt and so forth, and I was becoming more and more well-known in my little niche. I was starting to get more and more kind of a corner on the market and getting more a higher percentage of, of the work that was available, and I had more work coming in than I could have imagined being able to get a few years earlier, and my problem was that I couldn't say no. Growing up in a poor household like I did, it, it seems sort of insane to me to say no to $3,000 or $5,000 projects. Plus, I, I did feel a little bit bad because I knew that there weren't a ton of quality freelancers in my niche. So if I said no, there weren't a lot of other options for these clients. So I just kept saying yes to everyone. And by the end of that year, I was so stressed out and overwhelmed that I broke. I wrote an email to all my existing clients. I told them I was stepping away. I stopped responding to all the quote, quote requests that I was getting on my website. Matter of fact, there were probably three or four fairly well-known clients that I really should have took projects for that I missed during that time because I didn't even open up uh, and look at it. And I ended up taking about two to three months off um, of freelancing the December of that year and then January and a little bit of February uh, the next year. And the thing about it was it really killed my momentum. You know, I'd have, I'd have been a lot better off being more selective with who I worked with all the way along, telling certain clients no, and then continuing to run my business in a way that was sustainable. So that, that would have been a much better, better thing for me to do. But because I didn't do that, I ended up just kind of breaking and taking a bunch of uh, months off and, and killing my momentum. 
Now, of course, that's one thing. It's not just that. It's also the little moments when clients try to push the scope of a project and you have a hard time saying no. If you keep saying yes in those instances, they're going to recognize it and they'll keep asking for more. And when it comes to scope, clients will continue pushing if you let them. So I learned a little response that worked well for me. And it was something like, well, if they asked me to do something that wasn't really in the original scope, I'd say, well, that's out the, outside the scope of this project and I can do it, but we'll need to adjust the contract and the fee to account for it. So something along those lines. And you're not necessarily saying no, but you are putting hurdles in front of them. And so a client who's just trying to push you to get as much out of you as they can, they'll immediately recognize that you're paying attention to scope and most of the time they'll back off and they won't try to do it again. Or if you are working with a client who legitimately wants that thing and is fine paying extra for it, then you're getting paid for it. You're not just doing it uh, for free. And then if it's something that you really just don't want to do or you don't feel comfortable doing, just say that. Just tell them, no, this isn't. this is something I'm not really an expert at. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it for you. You'd be better off finding someone who specializes in it, specializes in that. Give me a few days and I can do some looking if you want and recommend somebody to you. Anytime that I ever said that, the client was like, oh, okay, and I would give them a recommendation and they'd usually follow up with that person. So all of these little subtle ways of saying no, they'll, they'll make a tremendous difference in your sanity uh, when it comes to freelancing. All right, the third thing is not saving your money. So I, I must be a glutton for punishment because this is another one that I learned the hard way. And for me, it was taxes. So when I first started freelancing early on, I just went a year where I didn't set anything aside for taxes and figured, oh, it'll work itself out. Well, it didn't. And I ended up owing a bunch of back taxes, which took me about just a little over a year to pay off. So these days, what I do is I set aside a minimum of 20% of what I make. And although truthfully, it's it's much more than that. I put as I put as much aside as I can. Everything that I can, I, I kind of pay my bills, set aside a little bit to to have available for things that I want to do. Everything else I put into savings and save as much as I can because you just never know uh, what might have it happen. And I have an official savings account that I put it into and everything. And I'll just give you a little quick, I guess, sort of hint on that. I had, I had tried saving before and was never really good at it. The moment I got a savings account and started putting it in there, I, I got good at it. So take that step to make an, an official savings account if you can. And and you'll find you might find that you're like me and it's just a lot easier for you to save when you do that. I don't know exactly why, but it, it just sort of worked. Uh, and so I put it in there and I just kind of forget about it until it's time to pay taxes or something comes up or I have a large purchase that I want to make and, and I don't really ever worry about it. So having that peace of mind makes everything that you do much less stressful. It gives you the confidence to turn down or fire clients if necessary because you have the savings built up. And it lets you actually enjoy all the perks that come along with being a freelancer and the freedom and so forth. It allows you to go on vacation or or take a day or two off here and there because you're not so worried about just every month having to 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 pay your bills. So save your money as much as, as possible. Save as much as you can and put it into an actual official savings account. All right, the fourth one then is caring too much about your clients, which... I know this one's going to be controversial because we kind of live in this kumbaya time period where this kind of saying this kind of thing is blasphemy. But 
the truth is caring too much about your clients can drive you insane and it can be bad for them. And my favorite example is the time that I hung up and really sort of walked away for a weekend on a client over a line break and a headline. So as to the, the, the full story is, is that I didn't just hang up with them. I refused to answer when they tried to get a hold of me for the rest of that day. It happened to be a Friday and all through the weekend, they were trying to get a hold of me and I refused to answer. So by the time Monday rolled around and I had calmed down, they were worked up and they were ready to let me go. And this was not just some client I'd been working with a few months. I'd been working with them for years. I still work with them to this day, you know, and I'd been to their house. I'd met their wife and kids. They were really sort of like family to me. And I almost threw it all away because they wanted to put a line break in a headline and I didn't think it should go there. It wasn't going to be responsive. And so I was so invested in them and, 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 and trying to make what they were doing perfect that I didn't have the space to just sort of separate myself and say, look, I think they might be making a mistake here, but it's not so serious that I can't just let them make it. And it's what they want. And I sort of forgot that it was a professional relationship. So uh, ended up that we kind of worked it out and, and figured it out. But since then I have, it was kind of a wake up call for me and I ratcheted back on my emotional investment investment with them, which may seem counterintuitive, but the more that I've done it, the better the relationship has come because it's become more of what it actually is, which is a professional relationship. As a result, I've become more productive and the more sane I am. And I think the overall, they're a lot happier since then. We haven't had any instant like that since. So the point isn't to not care about your clients. Do care about your clients, but don't care so much that you lose sight of the fact that it's a professional relationship and they're going to make decisions that you think are wrong. If it's not something major, sometimes you've just got to let them figure it out on their own and, and don't be afraid to do that. All right, the, the, the fifth and final one then is mistaking what's important when starting. And this, this frankly is a pet peeve of mine when with business in general, not just sort of freelancers, because I've watched family member after family member of mine do this while I'm sitting there telling them not to do it. And I've watched as their businesses have, businesses have failed because they didn't recognize what matters most when starting, which is revenue. Now, that might sound obvious, but you'd be surprised how easily people get caught up in the glamour of running their own business. Business cards, letterheads, offices, cars, clothes. We fool ourselves into thinking that these things matter, that doing these things are work, and that we're running our business by, by doing them because you know we have to put on a good show in order to be able to get clients or whatever convoluted rationalization we make up. But the truth is they're not. And, and what it comes down to, in my opinion, is that most people are afraid to do the one thing that actually moves the needle, and that is sell. Sell your services. But if you're going to be in business for yourself, that's the most important skill that you can learn. It's how to sell yourself and how to sell your services because that is what moves the needle. That's what puts money in your pocket and that is the lifeblood of your business. It's not going to survive if you don't know how to do that and there's no way to get around it. You just have to bite the bullet and learn it and everything else is secondary. Still important 
you know, we talk about delivering for clients. That's important. But if you never get a client in the first place, you never get the chance to deliver. You never get the chance for them to be a repeat client. You never get the chance for them to be a referral. So you have to learn how to sell yourself and get your clients first. If you're not willing to do that, there's really no point in being a freelancer and being business for yourself. You have to learn that skill. In any case, that's what my free tutorial, The Beginner's Guide to Freelance, is all about. It is teaching you the skill of selling your freelance services. Like I said, it's a completely free tutorial, and you can learn more about it at johnsfreetoots.com slash freelance. Okay, so that's it. I, I, I truly believe that if you avoid those five mistakes, then you're going to have a, a lot better time as a freelancer and you'll be able to get down the path to success uh, a lot quicker. So think those things through, you know, maybe write them down, t- take a few notes on them, whatever, and, and, and really think about that, those as you're going through your freelance career. All right, that'll do it for this episode. If you liked the episode, I'd appreciate it if you would hit the like button wherever you happen to be listening to it too. Uh, Also, if uh, you haven't subscribed yet, be sure to do that. And we'll talk to you next time.